All right, we're on. Okay, hope everybody's doing good. We get right into it. Uh, we're a little over halfway through Luke. I hope you guys have been enjoying it as much as I have. Um, as we read and reread um, some of these passages, different things come out, and I'm sure you're finding that as you read uh, week by week. This uh, past couple weeks, as I have been reading different accounts, they kind of play out as a play in my mind, and especially in the accounts of this week where you have a lot of bad guys, and then you have some good guys, and you find yourself really hissing and booing the bad guys, and applauding the good guys. So we're going to go into that a little more today. Um, and oh yeah, this is the other thing. The last several weeks, I, in our small groups, both in the morning and I do one at night, uh, we find ourselves talking about the culture of the time, about why did they do that, and this week to me it was like, wait, who's Queen of Sheba? You know, and then off I go into the study. And it was a couple weeks ago when Jessica was speaking, and she kind of ended hers with, who is Jesus to you? And it, it really got me thinking um, how sometimes I can get so deep into study that I forget who it's about and really the purpose of why we read what we read. And so it caused me to do a lot of soul searching on who is Jesus to me. So as I was reading this account, I already had notes written for something totally different. It was good too. It had a lot of stuff about culture and stuff like that. And I'm not going to be giving that message. So I sit here a little terrified and um, yet very hopeful that some of the things God showed me, maybe it's something um, that you can pick up something in. That's my hope. Uh, I sit here as a pharisaical good girl. And that astounds me, and God's shown me a lot of things the last few years, so that's the direction we're going. Don't get up and walk out. <laughs> so the title is Jesus and the Pharisees. I'm going to just start reading just one verse in our portion. It was Luke 14. It says, One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the house of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. This is the third time we read about Jesus um, going to a house of the Pharisees to eat. And as I saw that, my mind just started working, a lot of different things came up, and so I went back to see how many times have we read about the Pharisees so far in Luke. It's been about 17 times we've read the Pharisees. So what is a Pharisee? Of course, I had to look it up. It's a member of an ancient Jewish sect 
distinguished by a strict observation of the traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions to be superior in sanctity, sanctimonious, self-righteous, or a hypocritical person. So as we've read, each one of us has probably formed an opinion on the Pharisees. I'm sure we have an opinion on the prostitutes that we've read about, the tax collectors, the sick, the poor. We love it. Well, I love it when Jesus steps in and heals the sick. I love it when he stands up for the poor. I also love it when he didn't judge the prostitute, but he forgives her. And I applauded when he woed the Pharisees. But now let's take a little look back on some of the, the familiar stories that we've read and about the Pharisees. Jesus heals the paralyzed man on the Sabbath, and he forgives him his sin. The, the Pharisees say to themselves, who does this man think he is? So he's not, they don't even talk to Jesus. But what does Jesus do? He perceives what they're saying, and he answers them. Jesus eats with Levi and the tax collectors. The Pharisees, they grumble. Not to Jesus. Jesus hears, and he answers them. Jesus heals on the Sabbath day the man with the deformed hand. Pharisees watch him, ready to accuse him. Jesus knew their thoughts and asked them a question. Jesus is invited to the Pharisees' house for dinner. The immoral woman was there and washed Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee thinks to himself, if this was a prophet, he should have known what kind of woman she was. Jesus once again hears, it's just his thoughts, and he hears and he answers them. Jesus is invited again to a Pharisee's house to eat. The Pharisee is astonished that Jesus didn't wash his hands. It's funny, huh? <laughs> Jesus, he should be in my first grade class. Jesus once again answers his thoughts. Jesus heals the woman that had been over for 18 years. The Pharisees were indignant and let the people know what they were thinking. He didn't address Jesus. He addressed the people. Jesus hears and answers. Of course, it's with you hypocrites. And now we read in, in chapter 14 here, the uh, the Pharisee, the Pharisee again, a Pharisee again, invites Jesus to dine at his house once again on the Sabbath. And once again, they're watching him closely. And then in verse 2, and I brought my Bible with the little words, oh, little font. Okay. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisee and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? 
When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? And again, they couldn't answer. Um, so it just shows again um, Jesus with the Pharisees. So we see the Pharisees obviously as opponents of Jesus. Even though we read the account in chapter 13, I believe it is, um, where we see them warning Jesus of an attempt on his life and inviting, um, yeah, on an attempt on their life. And, he, and they invited him to their house to eat. We see Jesus calling them hypocrites, and in Luke, uh, we see them woeing him six times. I think it's in Matthew, they woe him eight times. We see warnings, warnings because he knows his child is in danger. Teaching, rebukes. I think I'm the loudest to boo when I've read these accounts of the Pharisees. Could it be that I see myself in them? C.S. Lewis wrote, the more pride one had, the more one disliked pride in others. No argument here that the Pharisees were proud and God detests pride. So I'm totally righteous in my opinion here. But Jesus continues to have interaction with the Pharisees. He accepted their invitations to dinner, and he would sit at their table. Now, I have to put a note in here because I did study about the table, and so a little, just a little note about study. To sit at a table then, and really now, is to partake of fellowship and friendship. It's a symbol of community. The ta uh, table designates a special relationship between those who sit at the table. Jesus used it as a means for teaching. Although much of his time was centered on the, and his compassion was centered on the poor, the crippled, and the obvious sinners, he still had time for the Pharisees. He knew their thoughts. He would answer questions, never spoken aloud, and he would eat with them. We also see his compassion for them. In John 3, we read the story of Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. And he says to him there, God sent his son because he loved the whole world, and he wasn't willing that any should perish. And then in our portion of this week in... Um, Luke 13, verse 34, we read, a, we read a, um account here of the Lord's heart uh, being deeply grieved as he saw the unbelief around him. And it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I had wanted to gather you to, to, to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. He wanted to gather them around him. He knew they were in danger, and they wouldn't let him. The Pharisees were so busy looking for a king, 
that they missed living life with Jesus, who was standing right in front of them, who wanted to protect them and take them under his wing. It made me question, how am I living life with Jesus? I live with heaven in mind, but am I missing living life with Jesus here on earth? So I wrote a modern day short story. Reader's Digest version, I hope. <laughs> it's called The Pharisee Woman and Jesus. It was in the North American region in the days before computers and internet and cell phones. It so happened that a young girl was invited to a wonderful party. The table was decked out as if Becky Jones herself was the event planner. The girl was enthralled by the beautiful table. Life had already been hard for this little one, so she was trying hard to enjoy the celebration. Sad but hopeful, she sat down at the table. It was then she heard the words, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. She learned about Jesus. She asked Jesus into her heart. She loved Jesus. Life was still hard, but she had Jesus. He had met her at the table. She was happy. Many years went by. The girl grew up. Having been born into a dysfunctional family, her church family became her life. Little did she know it was a dysfunctional, legalistic, religious system. A system that taught her that to love God was to follow the rules. For God to love her was to follow the rules. So she followed the rules. She was a victim, but she was strong. She was uh, she was praised for being so strong. She got married at 18 and was so strong. She had babies and was so strong. She loved God and found strength in God. And as she walked in that strength, she was praised by the people in her life. The more praise she got, the more she craved it. She grew up more concerned about following the rules set before her and pleasing the one setting the rules more than living in the strength of the one who had met her at the table so many years before. Because she had been abandoned in her youth, she feared being abandoned again, so she became the girl who loved to please others. She still loved God, but she lived in the misconception that doing all the right things was the way to God's love. It was a life of bondage. The wall of legalism began to be built. She would occasionally go back and feast at the table. Jesus always met her there to commune with her. In dark, soul-searching times, he would be there. In times of celebration, he would be there. In times of questioning, he would be there. He would gently teach the girl at the table about loving others and about kindness and humbleness. She would soak it up and then walk away from the table and be bombarded with man's ideals and interpretations of the scriptures, the same scriptures that Jesus had so lovingly taught her. She eventually stopped asking the questions. It was just too hard. She was taught to follow without question those in the religious system. She began to stop biting the system, and a numbness would just follow. This birthed self-righteousness and harsh judgment of others. She still was kind and loved others, but the judgment of others in her heart was astounding. The girl who loved Jesus was now the Pharisee woman.
The one thing she had hated and judged in others, she now was. The wall was surrounding her. Time marched on. It was now the days of Twitters and IGers and Facebookers. Joys and trials came and went. The Pharisee woman still loved Jesus, and Jesus loved the Pharisee woman. He would seek after her. He would make himself present in her life. He so desperately wanted to be with her. He wanted to gather her close and protect her. But her pride and self-righteousness surrounded her like a hedge. It had become a protection. She was still so strong. Once again, there was a table. And there was the Pharisee woman, not just jostling for the seat of honor, but she had plunked herself right down square in the middle of the pride chair. And she wasn't budging. She may have even tweeted about it. Because that's what social media is for, right? And then Jesus stepped in, his kind eyes of love, watching her sit so miserably proud in the seat of honor. And as his kind eyes settled on her, they showed all the love and compassion he felt for her. He saw past the walls of self-destruction and pride. He lovingly took her by the hand and said, follow me, my sweet child. Let me show you a better way. Let me tear down the walls that you are trying so hard to maintain. Let me teach you about grace and about my love. She so desperately wanted to be free of the bondage <laughs> oh, of self-righteousness and bitterness. She wanted to experience freedom and joy and peace. So she put her faith and trust in him and she followed him. She followed him out of everything she had known, the system, friends, comfort. He so patiently and kindly led her on a journey of grace. She learned that repentance is a way of life. It takes humbleness to repent, and it's our way of staying close to God. The wall started crumbling. The Pharisee woman was not quite so strong. The journey took her from being known and loved to not being known at all to those around her. More walls coming down. It took her from self-righteous judgment to working with those she once judged. The joy started creeping in. It took her from positions of notice to a small church classroom of rambunctious boys who could care less who she was. More joy. And through it all, Jesus was always right by her side, teaching, instructing, directing helping her trade her self-righteous, insecure ways for courage to go places she never could have imagined. The tight chains of bondage fell away, and she felt a joy and a peace she had not experienced. Her own strength was totally leaving her. The wall was crumbling. She fell in love all over again with God's word. She began to experience what it means to have freedom in Christ. She found she can still serve others, not for the approval of man, but out of love for God and man. Jesus tore down the wall. The Pharisee woman became weak, and God gave her his strength. It was then she realized it is only through his power can we do what he calls us to do. The Pharisee woman recently read about another Pharisee. His name was Paul. He wrote to the Philippians, I was a member of the Pharisees. I was so sincere, I harshly persecuted the church. 
And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Pharisee woman presses on too. Because she knows that Jesus loves her so much, he gave his life for her. There is no wall that he won't tear her down to come after her. And so really the story just begins. She is living a brand new kind of life, learning to be more and more like Christ, who created his new life within her. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position or number of friends on Facebook is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person is Christ is what matters, and he is equal, equally available to all. The Pharisee woman is enjoying life with Jesus. She meets him at the table of fellowship often to taste and see how truly great he is. She is passionate about inviting others to that table. You can't hide such joy and peace. And this Pharisee woman has a disclaimer. During the writing of this story, Pharisee woman realized portions of the wall still exist. The foundation of self-righteousness is strong, but there is no wall too strong that God won't bring it down if we ask him for help. The end, um, the end of that story. So, thank God that Jesus loved the Pharisee. And I think through this portion of reading, um, there's just so much that you can taste of God and see how good that he is. Um, in our lives, and of course, we're all in different points in lives, and some may not deal as the Pharisee one, woman dealt with, dealt with pride, self-righteousness. Some of that may not have hit you. You might be one of the others that Jesus talks about in the scriptures that we've been reading. But whoever you are, and whatever you struggle with, Jesus will meet you there and there is no wall too high um, that he can't tear down whatever if it's um, pride if it's bitterness if it's unforgiveness in your heart if it's pain maybe <laughs> physical um, or a heartbreak Jesus is there for each and every one of us, and um, that gives me hope. You know, if he can save the Pharisee, we all have hope, because, you know, we can find ourselves in these stories, and that's why I don't want to get bogged down. I mean, I love, and many times the culture is important to decipher what we're reading, so I'm not putting that down. I just know myself and how I can get so caught up in that that I forget um, Jesus in the story. And so I thank Jessica for um, inspiring me to think about who is Jesus to me and where do I see myself in these stories. And uh, it's humbling 
Uh, I was literally this past week on my knees in soul searching to what Jesus wants to show me. And being a Pharisee girl, that's hard to get on your knees. But it's where I have to be. I just want to close real quick with um, a couple of verses in uh, Romans 12. Um, let's see, I'll just start here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. The beha- uh, this is truly the way to worship him. Let him, God, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That has meant so much to me because he truly can change the way you think. And for years of being um, in a bubble, kind of, in how I thought, to be able to have God truly open my eyes. It's as if scales have fallen off, and he continues to do that. And so life to me is exciting. Um, I just had a milestone, I guess it was yesterday, (laughs) another milestone in life. And I look at it now, not so much counting the years, but as, wow, I have so little time left. And so I don't want to waste the time of serving God and what that looks like, what he has, walking with him, not just, you know, just an everyday experience with him and to to see him in everything and in all the people around you is just um, amazing. And I do stand in amazement at what he's done in my life and what he continues to do in others' lives around. So that's why I had asked Elise if we could do worship after... um, And as we go into worship, for you individually, each one of you, I don't know where you are. I know some of you, and I know some of the things you have gone through, but um, let it be a time that you just really press into God and um, let him break down the walls that maybe are a hedge around you. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this time uh, to be in your word once again, Lord, and just to sit at your feet and to learn about you. And I just thank you so much for coming after us and seeking us out and breaking down walls that we, in our own human way of thinking and understanding, build up. And I thank you, Lord, that we can come to you daily. Um, in repentance and um, ask for forgiveness and you're right there to forgive us and I just thank you so much for all that you are to us and I just pray for each one of these ladies that are here today Lord that they feel your presence and that um, you can meet them in whatever is going on in their life right now and that they will see your goodness and be able to walk life with you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.